Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey Colts fans, welcome back to the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast. I'm your host Jake Arthur here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Never miss an episode of the show by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love it if you'd also give us a five-star rating on iTunes if you're enjoying the show, and always feel free to review as well. Thank you for joining me today everyone. We've got an awesome show for you that I'm really excited about. It's the Colts bye week, so there's no matchup for us to break down for you. However, we do still have some great guests. First up, we've got Zach Hicks from Stampede Blue to talk about the first part of the Colts season up to the bye week. And then we've got my partner in crime of the last few years, Andrew Walker of Colts.com, to talk about the back portion of the Colts season. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. There's no Colts football to bet on this week, but you can still have plenty of fun wagering Patrick Mahomes touchdowns, Derrick Henry's rushing yards, and much more. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. The Colts get their bye week around the midway point of the season here in week seven. They're currently four and two with wins over the Vikings, Jets, Bears, and Bengals, and losses to the Jaguars and Browns. And the Colts are firmly in second place in the AFC South behind the Tennessee Titans, who are five and zero. If the playoffs started today, the Colts would be the last team in the AFC as the seventh seed. Uh, just some kind of main points early in the season. Uh, they lost starting running back Marlon Mack and starting free safety Malik Hooker to Achilles injuries both early on. Marlon Mack was, shoot, I think it was first quarter, second quarter in, in week one, and Malik Hooker was the very next game in week two. Uh, they've also lost wide, receiver, wide receivers Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, both of those guys, neither, neither of them are for the season. Uh, but they're, they both went on IR, short-term IR, and are expected to be back at some point. In those guys' absence, we have seen the next men up perform pretty well. Uh, rookie Jonathan Taylor has progressed each week as the starting running back and assumed those starting three-down back duties immediately from Mac. Uh, Julian Blackman looks like a star in the making at free safety, proving that safeties in this cover two defense can make big plays consistently. And then at wide receiver in uh, Pittman and Campbell's absence, Zach Paschal and Marcus Johnson have both looked really good. As for individual players that have had some storylines surrounding them, uh, Phillip Rivers in his first season as the Colts quarterback, uh, there's been some peaks and valleys. Uh, there's you know been two or three games that he, he's had some mistakes that he definitely would like back. Uh, but a, a, a really positive sign was last week, week six, uh, the Colts were down big to the Bengals at home, down 21-0 to in the first half. 
and they had no choice but to just turn Philip loose and let him just throw it all over the field. And he responded really well. He had arguably his best game as a Colt so far, and he was really, really productive. As for his top target, T.Y. Hilton, uh, the stats have not really been there this year. Uh, I believe 20 receptions, 242 yards. Those are okay numbers, but they're not T.Y. Hilton numbers. Uh, it's it's just such a razor-thin margin between people questioning the season he's had so far and him having a big, normal T.Y. Hilton season. Uh, he had two drops late in the fourth quarter of week one that he normally would have caught. He dropped a 44-yard touchdown the next week. And then last week against the Bengals, he, he got pretty screwed. He had like three or four big plays taken away from him. Uh, a couple of 20-ish yard gains and a touchdown. Uh, there, if, if just a couple of those go the other way, then I don't really think we're questioning T.Y. Hilton's season to this point. Uh, and then tight end has been another big thing. Uh, Jack Doyle has not really been the Jack Doyle that we're used to seeing. Um, not a very productive season, and then he lost a fumble on just the second play of the game last week. However, Mo Alley-Cox has been having a career year. Uh, it looked like he was Philip Rivers' go-to guy. He was doing a lot of a lot of things that everyone dreamed Mo Alley-Cox would grow into eventually. You know, being that big body, you could just throw it up to him and, and let him go get it, win those 50-50 balls. He's doing that. And then Trey Burton has been back for a couple weeks. Uh, he started his season on injured reserve with a calf injury. Uh, but he has been arguably Philip Rivers' favorite target since returning. Uh, he had a really big game last week, a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. So you got to think he's going to be very heavily involved moving forward. Uh, as for the stat leaders for the Colts so far through these first six games, Philip Rivers leads them in passing yardage with 1,598. He also has seven touchdowns and six interceptions. Jonathan Taylor leads the Colts in rushing with 367 yards and three touchdowns. He also has the second most yards among rookie running backs. Uh, T.Y. Hilton leads them in receiving yards with 242. Anthony Walker has the most tackles with 39, including one for loss. Justin Houston leads the way in sacks with three and a half, and he also has four and a half tackles for loss. And then with interceptions, Xavier Rhodes, Julian Blackman, and TJ Carey all have two. Uh, and Rhodes is actually tied for fourth in the NFL with eight pass breakups so far. As far as kickoff returns, Isaiah Rogers leads the Colts with 293 and a touchdown. And he's also first in the NFL with a 36.6 yards per return average. Punt returns, Naheem Hines has 118. And he's fourth in the NFL with a 9.8 yard average. Uh, kicking, it's been a lot more steady and consistent this year. Uh, Rodrigo Blankenship, as a rookie, has looked really good. Uh, he's gone 16 of 18 in field goals, which is 88.9%. And he's first in the NFL with 63 points scored. And then punting the ball, Rigoberto Sanchez has 15 punts for a net average of 43.3. Uh, the Colts, some of their key statistics as a team, they rank first in pass defense with 199.7 yards per game. They're also first in interceptions with 10. Uh, they're third in overall defense at 288 yards allowed per game. 
and third in run defense as well, allowing 88.3. They are allowing the sixth fewest points, averaging just 19.2 points per game, and they're tied for eighth with a turnover differential of positive three. And then offensively, they are 10th in passing at 265.2 yards per game. Uh, a lot of people are, are really interested in pro football focuses, metrics, and grades. Uh, so we'll go over some of the key players in uh, grades there. Mo Alley-Cox at 91.3 is their number one tight end right now. Jordan Glasgow and George Odom are uh, really highly graded special teamers. Glasgow has 90.3 and Odom is 89.5. Uh, they are special teamers number four and five respectively. DeForest Buckner with a grade of 83.8 is the number nine interior defensive lineman. Darius Leonard is the number five linebacker with an 81.6. Xavier Rhodes is the number nine cornerback with an 80.7. Isaiah Rogers is the number one kickoff returner with an 80.1. Quentin Nelson is the number seven guard with a 77.8. Jordan Wilkins is the number 10 running back with the 76.7. Ryan Kelly is the fifth center at 76.6. Mark Glowinski is the number nine guard at 75.7. Uh, so that interior of the Colts line is really holding strong. And then Julian Blackman is the number 10 safety overall at 74.1. And he's the number one rookie safety. And now for our first guest, we'll go ahead and jump into our conversation with Zach Hicks of Stampede Blue discussing the first portion of the Colts season. What is up, Colts fans? I've got a very special guest today to help us take a gander at the Colts season up to this point. With us today is Colts Twitter's adopted son and the newly married Zach Hicks from Stampede Blue. Buddy, how are we doing today? I mean, like you said, newly married, so can't be complaining too much. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been pretty good. Uh, Colts rewarded um, my my new marriage with a win, at least against the Bengals. They didn't reward it yeah. with a win the day after the day after against the Browns, but uh, they got the win this past weekend, which feels good. But yeah, man, I, I can't complain too much. You know, got back from from the honeymoon this week, uh, covered a little bit before the Bengals game, not too much of the game leading up to it or anything. Uh, but again, it was nice just to see a win when everyone, apparently when I was off, uh, the Twitter sphere and off writing, uh, for the week when I was on my honeymoon was freaking out after the Browns game. So I was glad, I was glad I missed that. Oh, <laughs> uh, dude, when, when my wife, so my wife and I drove down to Florida, down to Southwest Florida for our honeymoon back in 2013. And there was a game on while we were driving. It was, uh, the Rams were, were at Lucas oil and they kicked the Colts' ass. It was, oh yeah, that, that's the. I think it was like thirty-eight to three or that's something. The Robert Quinn game, right? Robert Quinn had like a, a fumble return touchdown. Or yeah. Something? Tavon, yeah, Tavon Austin went nuts. Like mm -hmm. it was pretty sweet to not have to watch it, and I just had to listen to it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's go ahead and get into this Colts team. Uh, after six weeks, we got a pretty good sample size. Uh, they're four and two and comfortably in second place in the AFC South and in the playoff mix. Uh, number one, do you think this team is, is very good, or are they just kind of meh? And then second, have they met your expectations for before the season started? Yeah, so I would say 
to start, I'll start with your second question there. So far, I do think they've kind of met my expectations, but in a way that I didn't really expect. You know, like I, I expected coming this year, the Colts offense would probably be around that like eight to 12 range in the league, like be a pretty good offense. I thought that, you know, they brought Paris Campbell. I thought was going to have a huge year. Uh, you know, unfortunately with what happened early on, it did look like he was going to have a huge year, uh, but I thought he was going to have a big year with Phillip Rivers. I thought uh, Taylor and Mack were going to be a great one-two punch. Uh, you know, T.Y. Hilton was going to have a great bounce back year with Rivers. Uh, but so far, you know, those injuries definitely popped up with, with Mack and Campbell. And then the offense really hasn't been exactly what we expected. Uh, on the other end, I expected the defense to be kind of more around league average, maybe maybe in like 12 to 15 range or something. And they've completely surpassed my expectations so far. Um, a lot of guys on that defense has from from uh, Xavier Rhodes, Julian Blackman, uh, Grover Stewart, even though I was already super high on him. Like those guys have really stepped up. And the Colts defense, you know, maybe they are a little inflated from the opponents they've played. I think we can officially say they're, they're pretty darn good uh, from what we've seen. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that four and two is kind of what I would have expected at this point, maybe five and one uh, before the year. Uh, it's not really the way I expected it to go, uh, but I do think this team is probably right in between that meh and like really good range, like kind of they're solid. There's some areas they can get better at going forward for me to really believe they can be like a contender type team or, or even a team that can make the playoffs and do something when they get to the playoffs. But as of right now, I do think they're definitely a playoff contender, even with the tough schedule coming up. And, and at this point in the year, you know, six games in, I think you can't really complain too much about that. Yeah, I, I think they kind of lie somewhere between the the bottom that we've seen and the really high highs. You know, yeah, they've they've killed the Vikings and the Jets like they should have, but they've lost some games they shouldn't have, like the Jaguars, for example. I think they're just probably somewhere in the middle. They're not they're probably not AFC they're probably not AFC championship contenders, but you know, especially with the expanded playoffs, I would expect them to be right there in the mix at the end of the season. Yeah, like like before the year, I said eight to ten win team. Uh, that's kind of where I was at, eight to ten win team, uh, and I still kind of think that's where they're at right now. Especially again with, with the really tough schedule coming up, uh, in terms of you know quality of opponents they're going to be playing, but they do have some winnable games in there. Uh, so yeah, I definitely think eight to ten wins is still kind of the expectation, unless we see you know the defense keeping this up against top opponents or the offense completely building off of what we just saw this past Sunday. Yeah, I'm kind of curious in, in this second half of the season if they can do it. They, they do this every year, it seems. But which one of these big matchups is the one they're not supposed to win, but they wind up winning, like the Chiefs last year, week five? Like, you know, you got the Titans twice, Ravens, Packers, Steelers. Like, I'm kind of curious which one of these they'll, they'll wind up taking. Yeah. Um, something I saw on Twitter the past day or so, thought, thought this would be perfect for today. Uh, was kind of doling out some bi-week awards and superlatives and, and everything. Oh, yeah. And this is this is right up our alley. This kind of stuff you and I talk about <laughs> all the time. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read off some awards that you might give out and you just give me who you think would fit that best. First right. off, your Colts MVP so far. That was a little creepy. The light just turned on mine. If you guys can't see the video, but my light just turned on without anybody. Now I'm going to be looking over your shoulder for some apparitions. It's cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall MVP, I think I think you kind of have to go with DeForest Buckner for that. And it's tough to give it to a defensive lineman just because of positional value. You know, you want to give it to the quarterback or, or a star receiver or a defensive back. But 
I got to go with DeForest Buckner. I mean, overall, he's just been outstanding for this team. He's been a huge boost to to the defense, and he, he's a big reason why the defense is having so much success. I think I saw the stat the other day that he had 14 quarterback hits last year on the whole entire season, and this year he's already at 13. Uh, so he's already going to pass his quarterback hit total for the year for, from last year. Uh, I, he's, he's in the top five for almost every major category for defensive tackles, uh, getting a lot of pressure, being great up the middle with the run. Uh, and he's definitely forcing a lot of plays to kind of, you know, to, he's kind of making life easier for the secondary. Um, so, yeah, I think the Forrest Buckner, I think right now has to be MVP, especially with, you know, I think Rivers has been overall pretty good, but he has had some volatile play. Uh, and with that, I would probably say Buckner has been this MVP. That's exactly who I put as well. Uh, I just think the the best performances that the Colts have had this year and the defense in particular, it's been when he's shining most. Mm-hmm. And if you've noticed those last couple games where they really haven't shown up in the first half, he hasn't made impact impact plays quite yet. But then that second half, once he starts flying around and, and literally throwing offensive linemen around and, and getting hits on the quarterback, that's when the defense has turned around. And I don't think it's it's any mistake that that's having a trickle down to Justin Houston's having another big year. The linebackers look great. Uh, the the secondary looks pretty good for the most part, but they've had some of those meltdowns in, in early in the games recently. But yeah, yeah. I mean, th- look at this last game, for instance. Sorry to interrupt you there, but look oh, at this yeah. last game, for instance, against the Bengals. Uh, first half, he, uh, he doesn't get much of a pass rush. Bengals are kind of using the quick game uh, and double teaming up in the middle. Second half, he's able to get going a little bit more. He gets four quarterback hits in the second half, and Bengals only score three points the entire second half. So he's a big part of what the Colts want to do on defense. Every time the Colts have a big half or even a big game, it's Buckner leading the charge up front, whether it's him running running down a guy in the open field or getting quarterback pressure or getting a big stop in the backfield or just eating a double team. Uh, he, he's been the most valuable player, especially for this defense, and, and I, again, I'd argue for the entire team. Yeah, I, I don't think they regret a single penny or draft, you know, draft capital that they spent on him at all. Uh, next up, offensive MVP. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Philip Rivers for this one. Um, I, I would say the offensive line has been a little inconsistent, but they have been really good in pass protection and giving him a lot of time back there. And, you know, like like I said, he's had some volatile play. Uh, the two picks in the first first game against the Jaguars, you definitely want to have those back. Uh, the, the Browns game is a very forgettable game overall for him. Uh, but for the most part, he's played pretty good football. I mean, the Colts are top 10 in explosive play percentage. That's an area they really wanted to get better at coming into this year. Uh, you know, this past weekend when the Colts were down 21 nothing, uh, the whole team wasn't playing too well. And then Rivers came out and he was throwing darts and having one of the best games of the last couple of years. And he was able to will them to victory. And, you know, those are kind of the things that the Colts didn't really have last year. And, and not to, to you know, throw or set under the bus or anything from last year. Uh, it's something that only a few quarterbacks can really do is have that ability to win a game when you really don't deserve it. And the Colts really did deserve to win that game on Sunday whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they had a quarterback back there who was on a roll and and was able to win that game for them. So I I think when you look at, you know, the explosive play percentage that the Colts have had, yards per attempt is all up. Um, A lot of those stats are up and he's played pretty good football overall. Um, Obviously he can get better going in the second half, but uh, he's been the main reason when the offense had success, it's been on his shoulders. So I put him in MVP of the offense so far this year. Yeah, I, I like that answer. I, and I thought this last game against the Bengals was very telling because they couldn't do a single thing early on. And then once they were forced into using the passing game, going up tempo and taking more aggressive shots, that played in 
that just seemed to play into what he's most comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it was, it was no wonder they went, you know, boom, boom, boom. They brought it back within, within three points in halftime and they were losing 21 to zero. Like those kind of quick momentum shifts that shows what he can do. Uh, for me, I narrowly just by a nose gave it to Quentin Nelson. Yeah. I, I like giving, giving offensive linemen the love, but uh you know, he's, he's got a quarterback that is not very fleet of foot. And I, <laughs> I think he's, I think he's keeping things clean up in, uh, up in rivers grill. So him and Ryan Kelly as kind of maybe an underdog version of that, because he makes the protection calls uh, him and rivers work very closely mm-hmm. throughout the week. So um, there's no wrong answer there, honestly. Yeah. It, it's uh, actually hilarious with Nelson. I think to start the year, it's been a pretty pedestrian start for his standards. Mm-hmm. And he's probably still playing at like a borderline all pro level. Like, yeah, it's something, <laughs> something that's something that's <laughs> odd is I think he's had three straight games with a penalty. And I think he had three all of last season Yeah, for how much he kills guys and like puts them on a highlight reel. He normally doesn't get flagged for it. Mm-hmm. And that, that one against the Bengals was bogus where it was kind of just a, you know, a stack and shed and get them out of there. But yeah. And uh, I'm pretty sure I know who your defense defensive MVP is. I'm imagining Buckner as well there. Yeah. You know, I'll change it up just for the sake of changing it up. And, and this mm-hmm. might actually take away one of my answers for the later ones, but whatever. Uh, but I'll say, you know, to have Buckner as MVP overall, I'll say uh, Xavier Rhodes here for defensive MVP. And this is actually a huge shock for me. I actually really like the signing. I, I thought it was a good signing. Uh, low risk, high reward type, you know, you get a former all pro in on a one-year deal, you know, nothing can really go wrong with that. Worst case, he's a, he's kind of what we saw with Pierre this year last year, and we still have a cornerback issue. Uh, but the Colts took a chance on a guy in Xavier Rhodes who's had a couple down seasons, and he looks like a completely different player. I mean, he looks much more athletic. He's contesting every single pass that goes his way, even when he's getting beat outside of one miscommunication in the first game of the year. Uh, but these last five games, you know, when every time he's even like he's allowing catches, he's right there. He's getting his hand on the ball. He's he's up there. I think he's third in the NFL and in, in pass deflections among corners. Uh, he's only got a 48 passer rating when targeted this year. I believe he's only allowing about 50 percent completion percentage when throwing his way might be lower than that. Uh, yeah, he, he's been outstanding. And, you know, I'm not going to say he's been a, a, a bona fide all pro like he was back in his early uh, Minnesota days, but he's definitely playing like a cornerback one for this team. And I think if you told Colts fans that when, when they signed him, that they're going to get a bona fide quarterback cornerback one uh, for one year, $3 million, I think we would all take that. So Xavier Rhodes, I think, you know, outside of Buckner obviously has been this defensive MVP. Yeah, I could, I could definitely agree with that. It's, it's very valuable to have a cornerback that takes away half the field. And it seems like he's, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but it seems like he's getting thrown at less and less. And when he is, he's making them pay. He, he's, I mean, I'll, I'll call it a deflection radius, I guess. For receivers, it's it's a catch radius. But his deflection radius is huge. He, he's he's a big guy. He gets his he gets his hands all in there and, and disrupts everything. So that's very valuable. We've seen that before with like Vontae Davis. Um, it it just take completely takes a, a receiver out of it. I thought they did very. He did very well against Adam Thielen. Um, Allen Robinson for the most part until late. Actually, what Allen Robinson did wasn't primarily against Rhodes. So yeah, it was against uh, it was against Isaiah Rogers. I think was his touchdown, touchdown was against yeah. Rogers. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I, I think you could also give a nod to, to Walker and Okariki, especially mm-hmm. with what they've had to do with Darius Leonard being out. Um, best rookie. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an option for offense and defense. Okay. I'm going to say, I mean, if we're just going best rookie, I think right. it's pretty easy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, offense, I think you got to go with Jonathan Taylor at this point. Uh, even though he hasn't really been exactly what we expected. Uh, and part of that is, you know, him starting a little bit slow uh, the first couple games. Uh, along with, you know, the, the running game not really being where it's at overall the, with run blocking and just lanes being there. Uh, but I think he's been pretty, pretty productive for a rookie. You know, again, it's not been that elite running back that we all want and dreamed of him when the Colts took him. Uh, but he's he's catching the ball well. He's not putting the ball on the turf. He's He looks good in pass protection. And when there are lanes there in the running game, he is making, you know, he's getting a lot uh, on the ground and, and showing off that speed and explosiveness. Uh, one thing I want to see a little bit better going forward is him, his ability to break tackles and run through tackles. I think that's definitely an area that he can improve on. Um, a notable one would be this past weekend when he caught that pass in the flat. He had just a corner to beat where he could score a touchdown and, and he wasn't able to beat him. That's something that you want to see, you know, your, your running back one be able to miss, make that, that guy miss and score a touchdown. But overall, I think he's been pretty solid. Um, you know, Michael Pittman also deserves a shout out here because he's played pretty well when he's played, but um, Jonathan Taylor, I think, has been a decent starting running back for this team. I think he's only going to get better. Uh, I think eventually we will be talking about him as that stud that we all kind of envisioned uh, come draft day. Yeah, what, what about defense? Defense, yeah, I think it's pretty easy. It's, it's Julian Blackman here. Uh, Julian Blackman, honestly, I, I'll, I'll be completely honest with this pick here. I wasn't super, super high on it. I obviously liked Julian Blackman, uh, as anyone really would watching his film. Uh, but I had some concerns, you know, especially games like the USC game last year where he had some some issues as that deep safety. But uh, he's really Pittman. stepped in. Yeah, against Michael Pittman Jr. <laughs> it just comes full circle like that. But uh, I think when you watch the Colts defense this year, especially when he's been out there compared to, you know, early in the season when it was a lot of Malik Hooker, it, it kind of looks like night and day. It's, it's not that Hooker was playing horrible either. It's just Julian Blackman understands what this defense needs. You know, he's He's getting great depth in his drops back there, especially in the cover two. Uh, he's attacking downhill when he needs to. He's getting deep uh, depth when he has to as well. Uh, he's making plays on the ball. He's making huge game-changing plays. I mean, two – I mean, essentially the Bears one was the game-ending interception. This past one really was the game-ending interception. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's been just a great asset to this team. And and I did not see this even coming at all. This year. I thought this was kind of more of a redshirt year for him when the Colts drafted him. I didn't expect him to really get on the field and – and be that productive, but uh, he's been outstanding. And I think he's, I mean, if he's not the top guy, he's probably in the top five for defensive rookie of the year across the whole NFL right now with how he's playing. Yeah. I, I think I'll, I'll start with the defense there. Blackman was easily my choice. Yeah, And it's, it's funny because with how, how Malik hookers, I guess, lack of big time plays has been, explain the last couple of years was it's a scheme change. He's not single high safety anymore. He's not the center fielder, like this and that. And then, so there was almost a perception that maybe safeties in this defense don't make plays. And then Julian Blackman comes in and you're like, Oh, okay. So this is what it can be. And again, I like, I hate that to be a slight against hooker, but yeah, Julian Blackman is a lifelong football player. You know, he his his football IQ and instincts are evident in every single game. Uh, there there was a play I forget which which Bengals receiver made a, a deep catch down the right sideline. Not the I don't think the T Higgins one, but a deep catch down the right sideline. And the broadcast announcers mentioned 
you know, they pointed out on, on the zoomed out view that Blackman really saved a touchdown on that because just his range and recognition to be able to stop that before it came something worse was just incredible. And of course he's got the interception. So I think it's, it's giving people new expectations for what free safeties can do in this defense. So that's easy. Yeah. And I know in your ice cold heart, you hate kickers with everything. In here, but <laughs> we have, we have to, we have to mention Rodrigo Blankenship too. Yeah. I mean, with how, with how bad the kicker position was last year, I, I still hold my breath every time a, a kick is going up right now, just because I've been hurt before now. But Blankenship's been dynamite. I mean, now, mind you, almost all of his kicks have been within 40 yards because the Colts just, other than against the Bengals, can't close in the red zone. So all of his kicks are pretty short, but he's making them. He's doing what he's asked. Um he hasn't, I think he's had two misses. None of them are terrible. So he's, he's up there near the top of the league and scoring right now. So I've, I've, that, that's a Rodrigo Blankenship appreciation post here. Yeah. The, the way I, the way I break down kickers, how most people break down offensive line play that if you're not talking about them, then it's fine. That's yeah. kind of where I am with kickers. If we're not, if I don't have to hear his name all week, well, you know, I've been hearing him a lot because the Colts been stalling in the red zone. But if, yeah. you know, if I don't have to <laughs> yell his name at the TV, on a Sunday game, I'm perfectly fine with him. So uh, blanket check, keep doing what you're doing and no issues here. That's right. Exactly. Uh, let's see your biggest pleasant surprise on the team this year. You know, honestly, I'd probably go with Julian Blackman again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, I didn't expect it. I, I really, really expected more of a like red shirt type season. And the, again, the way he's been playing out there, it's not just like, oh, good for a rookie. Like, like Card Willis last year, right, was was good for a rookie. But there were still some some issues yeah. uh, with his rookie season. But it was still a good season for a rookie. Julian Blackman's having a really good season, like, period. Like, yeah. that, like that's it. It's not good for a rookie. It's it's really good season, period. Uh, and, yeah, again, I didn't really expect it. Uh, and the other person, obviously, would be Xavier Rhodes with that. Really pleasant surprise with how he's played as well. Um, and I'll throw out just a different name here just because – you know, I've already used those two guys, but I'll say TJ Carey has been a really pleasant surprise when he's played. Obviously, he hasn't played too much since Rocky Sin came back. Uh, but when he filled in for Rock in that Minnesota game uh, and played a little bit in that Jets game, uh, I was really, really impressed with him. And he was a guy who I was terrified of playing early in the, you know, early in the season because, you know, when I watched a lot of his Browns film last year, I did not see a guy who could really play on the outside. I, I was concerned with his size out there. Uh, I thought he misplayed some routes on the outside a lot with the Browns. Uh, but this year he's played really well out there. And and even though, you know, I think his one snap he had out there the other day, he gave a catch to AJ Green. I thought he's played super, super well this season. So uh, filling in for, for Marvell Tell as that kind of fourth corner and, and playing all over the place when he subbed in, uh, not really missing a beat when he's played. I, I think that's been pretty valuable to this team. Yeah. And I think the, the turnaround and expectation was pretty quick because I believe it was him who blew the coverage on that DJ Chark touchdown uh, in week one. Yeah, it was, it was kind that, of him and Kari. Yeah, it was kind yeah. of him and Kari. Yeah. Communication thing, I'm sure. But yeah, it, it wasn't a great look. But then he bounced back with two pretty solid games in a row. So that, that was a good one. Uh, I gave mine to Xavier Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, it, it was a very low risk, high reward signing for them. I think it was the veteran minimum. Um, but he looks so much more like 2017 Xavier Rhodes than 2019. Yeah. You know, his all pro season versus season where Minnesota fans were ready for him to go. Um, so yeah, him, he's my pleasant surprise because especially 
with Rocky Sin getting hurt or not hurt, but missing those couple games, mm-hmm. their secondary could have been really screwed. In- I expected it to be. Yeah. I, I really expected bad results against yeah. like exactly um, and no Marvel tail like you mentioned yeah. that could have been bad yeah but him and Kerry played really well and yeah those guys have definitely been pleasant surprises I I, I didn't see it especially in Kerry but I also kind of didn't see it in Rhodes you know just again being skeptical from his last two seasons but um, you know hat off to, to Chris Fowler for taking those chances on those guys and it you know turning out well I think combined they're making like 3.8 million dollars this year and they're both playing really good football yeah, I'm sure at least one of them will be back in, in 2021. Um, so now on the flip side, the not fun one, what's your biggest disappointment so far? It doesn't have to be a player. It can be a, a theme from the team. You know, actually, so I'm actually writing a positive article on this that's going out tomorrow, uh, but it is something I want to talk to you a little bit on on this. Uh, so this is actually a kind of good way to talk about it. But outside of this past Sunday game, Frank Reich's play calling, I think this year has been a a disappointment to me uh, and it's not been really like like I wouldn't say it's been horrible like the Colts have have had some really nice concepts there's been some good concepts in there and good plays uh, but I think when you look at the inefficiency in the red zone inefficiency on third downs and the run game being stuffed this whole year yeah you can point to the players not executing out there but a lot of it has been kind of poor situations are being put in uh, through through play calling you know a lot of the third down offense especially in that third and short range is very, very predictable. Uh, I, I've said this all year. Uh, it, you can always, almost always tell when it's going to be a run in those situations. Uh, before this prior game, second and long runs, the Colts were like second highest in the NFL. And they were averaging like 1.9 yards per carry on those second and long runs. Yeah. Uh, so that was another thing that was that was hurting. There, there was just a lot of things, I think, in terms of play calling. Uh, you know, there, were, there wasn't really too many downfield shots, even though the Colts were still high and explosive play percentage they weren't really attacking downfield like they can with with Philip Rivers until this past game uh my, my theory which I write write about in my article that's going out tomorrow with Stan P. Blue is sometimes Wright kind of gets in that mindset where he needs to stay super balanced even though games fluctuate and there's some games where he can go super pass heavy super run heavy and stuff um but like for instance in 2018 if you look at the Texans if you look at that that season the offense was dead in the water until that Texans game where they're getting just blown out early on uh, and then Reich opened up the offense. Luck started throwing the ball like we we find like because up to that point we didn't think he could still throw the ball like he used to. Um, they came back in that game and they obviously lost in overtime on that famous fourth down call. But after that point, the offense was was exploding the rest of the year. Uh, so my my optimism is saying that Reich needed this game to see this offense could do it after a whole year last year where the offense had to be conservative, uh, and hopefully this can open up more aggressiveness and more. Uh, you know, free flowing play, play calling overall, but, you know, up to this point, you know, looking at games like the Browns game, looking at uh, the Vikings game, for instance, was, was pretty predictable. Uh, even the Jets game, especially in that first half, um, a lot of the faults on offense have been very predictable, like play calling and situational calling and stuff. And, you know, I, it's hard to throw all the blame at Frank Reich. I do think he's still a really good coach. I, I mean, this is not me in any way calling for like a firing or anything like that. It's just something that I've been looking at being like, you know, something's going to have to change with this. And, and Sunday was a great positive sign for it. I mean, he looked like his 2018 self calling some of the concepts he called, which I break down tomorrow. Um, so yeah, I think up to this point, it's still a bit of a disappointment uh, and a very, very surprising disappointment, but I, I am optimistic that that can change going forward, especially after Sunday. Yeah. And once again, you and I thinking alike on that, what I had listed for this was 
uh, specifically the lack of an explosive pass offense up until last week. I, I, I don't know if, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't even like there was a lot of them that seemed to be called. Now, of course, it's up to the quarterback whether he wants to, to throw it there or not. Yeah. Um, but I, I think they've, they've had the ingredients there the whole time. T.Y.'s been out there the whole time. Paris was there for a game. You know, Marcus Johnson's been there a couple games. Um, but, yeah, it's – I don't know. I, I know when, when Frank had Phillip before with the Chargers is a totally different type of roster – they want to run the ball a lot more now, but I, I think this game was probably pretty eye-opening that, you know, Phillip's probably a lot more comfortable slinging it around and going deep. And they, they had to have him do that. They had no other choice. If they were going to come back, they had to have vintage Phillip Rivers just painting, painting it all over the field. Mm-hmm. And so I would hope we see more of that going forward, just because we know that works. And I think in terms of play calling and things like that, I'd kind of echo what you were saying that uh, there's been some games going in where I, I think there's a certain way they can attack the upcoming defense and it's just not at all like how they've done it. And yeah. it's, it's worked for them a lot. Like a lot of the time it's, it's not like I'm saying you got to do this or you're wrong, but it's, it's just surprising why they haven't done certain things like that. Like for example, the Jets game, I, I thought they would probably try and run a good amount of like outside zone and a lot of outside stuff because yeah. the 49ers had just butchered them doing that. And if I remember correctly, it was just a, kind of a pounded up the middle game the whole time. Yeah. And I was like, they probably could have, they probably could have done quite a bit with Naheem Hines and, <clears throat> and Taylor running outside on that. But yeah, they, and- it, they won. It, you know, it worked for them. Yeah. I mean, to throw some other things out here too is like, to go with that point, for instance, like the Vikings game, right? Uh, I, I thought that was an aired out game. Like going into that, I was like, test these young corners. They just got shredded by Aaron Rodgers the week yeah. before. Test these young corners. And that's when, you know, we're going to that game with Campbell healthy, Michael Pittman Jr. healthy. I was like, yeah, test these young corners, get these young receivers going. And I think Taylor got like the ball like 43 times or something or 42 times in that game. Uh, and it was a lot of it was up the gut right where they have, you know, um, Eric, Eric Kendricks and, and Anthony Barr going to the game. So it was kind of, it was just a weird game plan. Like, like you said, it's been a lot of stuff like that. Um, and, and to kind of go with your point with the explosive plays, you know, I, I've said multiple times on this episode here, the Colts are like in the top 10 explosive play percentage. But when you look at the offense, there's not many of those plays called. Like for instance, last year we saw a lot of deep shots called, but they just weren't thrown for mm, whatever yeah. reason, you know, reset not wanting to throw it deep uh receivers him not having that trust with the receivers whatever you know there, there was a lot of issues with the deep ball offense last year this year we just haven't seen much of a call because when it's been called or even when it hasn't been called Rivers has kind of pushed the issue and got the ball down the field still uh but the big thing was until this past Sunday we really didn't see a lot of those plays schemed up and called uh and you know just as that last Sunday alone I mean there was enough deep shots called for like Marcus Johnson for instance where if Rivers throws a ball one yard shorter Johnson has 180 yards receiving in the game. So I just want to see more of that going forward. I want to see more of this, this vertical aggressive offense where, you know, I'm not one of those analytic guys where I'm like, okay, don't, don't ever run the ball. But if you're averaging 3.1 yards a carry, 3.2 yards carry, start airing the ball out a little bit more, or, you know, try to mix it up a bit, try to get the run game going to the outside. I mean, obviously the run game this year hasn't worked with what they've been doing. So try to be aggressive and mix it up. That's all I'm really saying with this, you know, again, I don't think Reich's a bad coach whatsoever. I think he's a really good coach. Uh, I think he's been kind of in a little 
rut, I guess, since late last year, early this year. Uh, but hopefully this Bengals game can kind of can turn it around and, and they can start being more diverse and more aggressive on offense. Yeah, I mean, they, they have evidence that it, it works. So I'm, I'm sure they'll come back around to it. Uh, the last one of these is offense and defense. Who is a guy that needs to be seeing more playing time after the bye? Ooh, and this is actually goes well with um, what a good friend uh, Jim, Jim Aiello uh, tweeted out today from talking with Colt Stevens, the line coach. Um, I think Tyquan Lewis deserves a lot more playing time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen when he has played this year, he's been really good. And, you know, this isn't me just saying, you know, oh, he had those two big tackles for a loss on unblocked plays last week that, you know, that means he should get more playing time. No, he, he's been really good when he's played, you know, playing three tech, playing at the, the strong side defensive end. Uh, he's basically playing two different positions. And I think the biggest thing that, step, that stands out to me is he's just super explosive this year. And, you know, the, the Colts edge rush overall uh, just doesn't have that much juice this year, even with, you know, uh, Justin Houston's having a good season. Uh, but he doesn't have that juice as a pass rush. You know, that, that explosive juice to, to get back there in the backfield quick. Uh, he's typically going to have his one or two, like, amazing rushes a game. And that's where he really capitalizes. But I think the Colts really need to get more juice on that outside, uh, especially in, in, like, obvious passing situations. So I wouldn't mind getting some looks out there with Tyquan Lewis, you know, maybe at the strong side defensive end or maybe even more pass rush uh, situations inside and, and subbing Autry off the field. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think he definitely deserves more playing time. Uh, you know, Coach Baker said that after the bye, he's going to get more playing time. He's definitely earned it. Uh, so that's definitely a guy who I want to see out there more. I think he's got the juice. I think he's got uh, the the high energy, and I just want to see down the field more. Yeah, you got one for offense? Ooh, for offense. Let me see. Um, it, it's kind of hard to say because he almost played almost every single snap this past week, but uh, Marcus Johnson, I'd probably say, because, you know, after the bye, we're going to have Mark, we're going to have Michael Pittman Jr. Hopefully coming back. Uh, Zach Pascal is going to have a role. T.Y. Hilton is still going to have his role. So one would think that Marcus Johnson snaps, you know, would go down or should go down. For me, I still want to give him those starter snaps. Uh, I, I think that, like, you know, speaking of juice, like I just said with Tyquan Lewis, uh, he's got the most of it in, in the receiving core right now. I think he's the most explosive deep threat they have on offense right now. And we've seen it not only – this past Sunday, but we've seen it in the other two games he played this year where he had catches over 25 yards. Uh, we saw it last year where he only played, I think, nine games and he had two, he had like three or four of the longest catches on the team last year. Uh, he, he's just a really good receiver who, who knows how to stretch the field and defense have to respect that. So I kind of want to see him in more of a starting role, maybe even the starting Z role and, and shifting uh, Hilton back into the slot role where he started early in his career. Uh, you know, just mixing ways out there to get that speed on the field. Cause I think Johnson's the type of guy where he's going to make plays and he's going to be able to, to stretch that defense. You need to have him on the field. Yeah. And, and of course the bye week is time for the, the coaches to tinker with stuff like that. Of course, that was, that was my same too, as well. Uh, I, w- I would love to see Taekwon. I don't know. I mean, Danico Autry has been all right at strong side end, but I would, yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing Lewis, become a regular starter there opposite of Houston um, Johnson of course my my thing is you're not getting a ton of production from the receiver position this year I mean you're get you're getting some you're getting some possession receiver type stuff like guys are doing their jobs um, mm-hmm. but like you said Marcus Johnson is like so far standing outside the rest right now like you've got to keep a role for him moving forward because they are going to get Pittman back. They're going to get Campbell and you have plans for those guys. You love both of those young guys, but like you have someone who is making plays every week. 
And that kind of rolls into my next question is once they do get those guys back, how would you, how would you distribute those snaps? Yeah. So at receiver, for instance, I'd probably have just off the top of my head here. I'd probably have Pittman and Pascal kind of working that X receiver spot. Uh, likely give more snaps to Pittman just off the bat, just because I think there's more there than what we kind of saw early in the year. And I think we saw enough flashes earlier where like, you know, like Pascal's great. Pascal's going to do his job. He's going to catch anything that's, you know, again, he's, he's, he's your zone beating possession receiver. Like he's very, very solid receiver, but I think Pittman can be more of your, your all around guy. Uh, so I, I would like to see Pittman kind of get the starting snaps at X. I want to see Hilton back in the slot. I think that's where he's going to find more success. And the Colts actually did quite a bit of that this past Sunday where, you know, a lot of his catches, even the ones that were nullified or that one uh, crappy call early in the game where he definitely caught it on the sidelines and they didn't on the review, they didn't call it a catch Uh, plays like that were from the slot. Uh, So I want to see more of him working from the slot. I think he can be good in that role. And then I probably have Johnson starting at the Z, Uh, you know, to back up those guys, you know, Harris, if he sticks on the roster, probably the backup slot. And then Doolin, probably the backup seat behind behind Johnson. You know, obviously Hilton can move around. Uh, but the way I would do it is probably mostly a, a four-man rotation at receiver. Uh, you kind of have Johnson at the Z, uh, Hilton at the slot, Pittman outside, and then you kind of have Pascal subbing in at pretty much any spot that you need him. Yeah, and I think Campbell will be back later than than yeah. everybody else. But he, of course, throws throws something extra in the mix too. But he's – He's more more of uh, more of slot, so that you know. Although they they will move him around, and then the Colts are far from a perfect team, of course. But if you had to pick one thing that you want to see them clean up or get better at to have the most success post buy, what would that be? Uh, I, I think it's still kind of what we were talking about with the again, not just the play calling, but the overall offensive efficiency. Uh, I think. You know, overall, again, we've seen an improved offense in terms of passing the ball and and getting the ball down the field from what we saw last year. But kind of what we had the first two years under Reich was even when they couldn't move the ball down consistently all all game, they were going to have a top tier red zone offense. They had they've had that in 2018 and 2019, one of the top red zone offenses in the league. Uh, Last year, they just couldn't get there. Uh, This year, they're, they're getting there, but they're just not converting outside of this past Sunday. Uh, So I think the biggest thing for me in terms of you know, having hope for this team, uh, you know, being a, a legit playoff, you know, contender and contender moving forward is their ability to convert uh, in the red zone and actually turn those three points into, into seven. Uh, I, I think that's just going to be really big for this team. I don't really have too many questions about them moving the ball. I've seen enough from Rivers where I think he can move the ball uh, pretty efficiently. Um, it, it's just, can they continue to convert in the red zone like we saw this past Sunday? Uh, if they're able to do that, if they can get that up to, because I think right now they're like 27th in the NFL in red zone um, touchdown percentage. I think they have like 51% of their red zone drives and in touchdowns. That needs to be at least like league average, hopefully top 10 by the end of the year for you to be a legit contender in this league. You can't, you can't leave points on the field. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing for me. Obviously there's other little things like um, the defense playing a little better in the first half of games and uh, the running game kind of getting going. But I think that red zone offense is the biggest thing for me. Yeah, I think that's a fair answer. And it's uh, it certainly has to improve. And I, I think there's enough there. We know it can. Uh, I mean, those have been staples of right so far in the past couple of years. Efficiency, you know, good in the red zone, good on third and fourth down. So 
he knows how to do it. He's just, you know, a theme I've, I've kind of thought with this whole offense so far, why it's been so inconsistent and why there's so many questions about it is I just think it's so different than what they thought it was going to be. They, they've had to be without their starting, uh, their starting running back, who I think Marlon Mack will have played, would have played a lot up yeah. to this point. Uh, Cause he's, he's one of the only one he, He's the one that does everything as a total package the best. That's why he's their starter. Yeah. Uh, um, actually, if, just to interrupt you for half a second here, and then mm-hmm. I'll, I'll hand it back to you. But if you look at Taylor, his best games have come when he's only got like 10 carries. You know, he's been oh, yeah. efficient. So, I mean, if you just imagine, say, you got Mack in this offense who is really good at creating something out of nothing. That's what he was great at last year. You know, him getting 20 carries a game, and then you have Taylor getting out 8 to 12. I mean, it would have been a really, really good duo. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And kind of like you said, you know, Taylor has, it's been unfortunate that they've been behind so far because he is getting better each week, it seems, but he's only been able to get like those, those 10 to 12 carries because they're down by so much in the first half. But I, I think he's getting better at recognizing pass protection and who knew he could catch so well. I, I mean, good. that, that was outside of of um ball security and not knowing how he would be able to pass protect catching the ball was his next biggest concern coming out of college and he i don't think he's dropped anything yet i think he's caught all but one target and it was probably considered uncatchable i guess but yeah i think it was throwing it towards him yeah yeah uh so i i think we've covered enough today man uh anything you're working on between now and the game day no, just my typical like film stuff. Um, like I said, tomorrow I have a big article on Frank Reich um, from his game plan from this past Sunday, where I think we finally got to see some of his 2018 stuff come back, which was great. Um, a lot of switch releases, a lot of stack releases, a lot of red zone efficiency. Uh, so I'm really excited to get that piece to you guys. But uh, but yeah, honestly, I'm just just working my film stuff here and and uh, enjoying the bye week. You know, the bye week's great for the players. I love it for the players because they can get healthy. Um, that's why I also think the Titans are a bit kind of cheaters. <laughs> <laughs> well, the dog has to announce that my wife's home. <laughs> Can you get her out of here? Sorry. You're cool. <laughs> All right. You got to get his, his guest appearance. But yeah, uh, good wrap up. <laughs> uh, all, yeah, all I was saying was, um, shoot, what was I saying? I can't remember what I was. <laughs> no, just talking about Frank bringing some 2018 wrinkles back. Oh, into the play yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just writing about some of his 2018 wrinkles coming back. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to get that out to you guys because I think it's 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 a fun thing to talk about because I think they can make that jump that the Colts in 2018 made where they went from us being super concerned those first three or four weeks, like, oh, crap, like, luck's done. This offense isn't really going to do much. Uh, and then all of a sudden became becoming one of the most explosive offense in the league. I, I mean, I don't think they're going to be at that level where they were in 2018, but I think they can make that jump. So I'm excited for that. But yeah, honestly, I'm just enjoying the bye week. Um, I know it's great for the players because they get, you know, that week to get healthy. We get to see a lot of guys coming back, but it's also good for a lot of people covering the team too. <laughs> can take a little bit of a break on the weekend and enjoy the games instead of uh, waiting on to see if we're going to get overreactions either way after the game. Yeah, no, no scramble after Sunday to get a bunch of things done. And for the love of God, no 430 games. <laughs> I, I've i been up working until after midnight on all the 430 games so far. So I was super stoked that it, that it stayed put at one o'clock last week. 
Yeah. Well, Zach, thanks so much for joining me today, man. I'm, I'm glad we we're finally able to get you on here now that I'm, I don't have very many Colts guests, guests often. So mm -hmm. I had to make sure you were one of the first ones in there. Uh, Colts fans follow Zach on Twitter at Zach Hicks too. That's Z-A-C-H. And uh, you guys all have a good one. Thanks again, Zach. Thanks again to Zach for his time. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Zach Hicks too. And he does really good work for Stampede Blue, especially his weekly film breakdowns. That's must-read content for me each week. So I, uh, I suggest the same for you guys. Now to look at the back half of the Colts season. Their schedule toughens up much more than the first half with matchups against the Ravens, the Titans twice, Packers, Raiders, and Steelers. Even the games I didn't mention are against teams that can bite you any week, and the Lions, the Texans twice, and the Jaguars, the latter of who have already beaten the Colts. For me, the biggest thing here is that the Colts have both of their matchups still against Tennessee, who holds the AFC South lead right now. And they're not very far ahead of the Colts. It's 5-0 and right now versus 4-2. and If the Colts want to make the playoffs, they have to have those matchups underlined, bolded, and circled in red. Of course, they have to win those other winnable matchups, but the first step is winning your division. Uh, the Colts should get some familiar faces back in the fold at some point in the second half as defensive end Kamoko Toure makes his way back from last season's season-ending ankle injury. Uh, and then, of course, Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell should be coming back at some point as well. Uh, in the shorter term, the Colts have also missed Darius Leonard over the last couple weeks as he nurses a groin injury. And then Mo Alley-Cox last week who missed the Bengals game with a knee injury. This now leads us into my conversation with our next guest, Andrew Walker of Colts.com, to discuss the post-buy portion of the Colts season. Next up on the show is someone who is so near and dear to my heart, Andrew Walker from Colts.com. Andrew, how's the bye week treating you so far? Uh, it's treating me okay. You know, it's a little bit better after that little introduction there. I, you know, I didn't know I was so near and dear to your heart, but it's it's really nice to hear. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, no, uh, no game this weekend, no staying up till midnight, no long drives home, nothing like that. Nice little well, rest. not for football, you know, there's still some yeah. kids in play hoping to, uh, you know, maybe a little bit longer nights with them, uh, definitely. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's been nice. Um, just trying to get, get things scheduled out for the rest of the week, I guess, still have some stuff up because this team's had, had a lot of, uh, noteworthy accomplishments and, and trends and things like that. So as you know, very well, you know, you still want to keep things fresh on the content side, but it is, it is going to be nice just to kick the feet up on Sunday and keep the TV on and just watch, you know, flip through the games and, um, and be a fan for, for at least a, a few days, at least. Yeah, absolutely. So the team we cover the Colts six games through they're four and two and pretty firmly in second place in the AFC South. Uh, something is just really going right with the Titans, but very wrong with the Jaguars and Texans. Uh, we're just going to pick your brain a bit about the back portion of the schedule after the bye week. Uh, on paper, a lot of people said the Colts schedule early was definitely the easier part. You know, some of the teams with with worse win percentages. But this back half or back portion of it, six of the 10 matchups are against teams that are in the thick of the playoff hunt. Um, you know, you got Baltimore, Tennessee twice, Green Bay, Las Vegas and Pittsburgh. Is there any one of those matchups that stands out among the rest to you? 
Yeah, I mean, when when you started out, you know, you you alluded to the the beginning of the season. I don't know about you, but four and two is probably the about the bottom as as what you would hope to expect at least heading into the bye week. Um, just in terms of staying in contention and all that. And I don't think anyone could have predicted, as you alluded to, the 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 Titans getting off to the start they've gotten off to. And and really, you hope down the road, of course, in those two matchups, that's going to be tough. But I think the Colts have proven they match up pretty well. The, the Titans and the Colts are very, very closely related in terms of how they're built and the way they like to do things. So I think those games kind of cancel each other out. It's going to be tough. I'm not saying they're not big matchups, but I think those – kind of cancel each other out. You know, I I look at this Ravens team and, you know, you you don't want to overlook the, the Lions at all. Um, but the Ravens is going to be the first kind of juggernaut offense. You know, the, the, the Browns have an element of that, but it was more in their run game and then they're able to get things going in the pass game. But this is kind of the more the first juggernaut, juggernaut offense this defense is going to have to play against. And really – you know, with Lamar Jackson, that that's the game I'm circling because you, you play Watson twice a year. You you played Mahomes before, um, and and you've seen these guys where you have to keep them in the pocket or else you're screwed. And um, the Colts have done okay with that, but this it's times a thousand in this game with Lamar Jackson. So I think that's going to be that's the game I've really circled. And obviously, there's going to be you know. Aaron Rodgers and Ben Roethlisberger and and Watson down the road and Tannehill's playing like a top five seven quarterback um you know those are going to be big matchups but that's the first one I'm circling where it's there's the you know the MVP type guy at quarterback who can wreck your defense and we think this defense is really good but they have to be very sound very solid up front in that one particularly yeah and that, that kind of rolls into this next question and no, really no defense is equipped to handle what Lamar Jackson no. can do. But it is if there's any teams that the Colts may surprisingly match up pretty well with, like, for instance, with the Ravens, yeah, there's no quarterback that is as big of a threat to run as, as Lamar Jackson is. But the Colts are really built on speed and swarming to the ball. So if there's any team that has a yeah. defense that might be able to compete, do you, do you see that being the case? Yeah. Well, and, and like I said, when you play Deshaun Watson twice a year, who does not the exact same things, but similar things in terms of, um, you know, we all know Lamar Jackson can just break them at any time for 80 yards on the, on the ground. And he has elite speed. Um, and, and Watson's a little bit different and he's more of the escape guy and get out in the pocket and then find guys down the field or run for first downs. But I think, I think Watson's a great, you know, person that is kind of, you prepare for him twice a year and then it kind of prepares you to play a guy like Lamar Jackson. And, you know, the, the Colts are built on speed. You hope Darius Leonard's back by that time. I mean, I sure hope he's back by that time. Um, he's missed the last couple of games and now he has the bye week to kind of rest up and we'll see if he's back for Detroit, but I think getting Darius Leonard back will be huge for that. Obviously, uh, you know, team speed, Bobby Okariki has been playing, um, really, really, really well um, this year. And, and I think has really kind of settled into his role as kind of working back and forth with Anthony Walker. You know, he's technically the Sam, but he's playing more Mike and doing a lot more things. So I think the linebackers will be huge in that. And then just up front, you got to stay, you know, disciplined, got to have those rush lanes covered and don't let Lamar Jackson do what Sam Darnold did, which was get out of the pocket time and time again, 
be within split seconds of being sacked and just get right out of it. Um, I think Brian Baker kind of talked to that this week about that's kind of on him. You know, they think they fixed that moving forward and now, now they're going to get the ultimate test against Lamar Jackson. Yeah, absolutely. And th- this moving forward, this may be something that maybe they've been missing or something that they're already doing. Uh, but if the Colts do blank, well, they earn one of these playoff spots. I think run the ball. I think if they if they start establishing the run a little bit better, and really, you know, they haven't been bad, but when when your yards per carry average is what it is right now towards the bottom of the league, you I mean, if you watch this Frank Reich offense and Nick Sirianni offense for the last couple of years, you know that won't happen. That won't be a thing all season, but it's got to start improving at some point, and it's got to start improving soon. And um, I think if you can run the establish the run on offense, get Jonathan Taylor going for a couple big performances and kind of get his confidence going, then, you know, this is the, one of the most obvious things, but that opens up the passing game. We saw what Philip Rivers did with some confidence in the passing game against the Bengals. And, you know, you can't expect that on point, that on fire every week out of Philip Rivers, but I think you can expect a lot more in that direction if your run game's going like it was in this in that second quarter when Jonathan Taylor's ripping off, you know, 17-yard run, 17-yard run, 12-yard run, um, that really opened things up and made the defense respect that. So I think offensively, if if you can just get that run game going a little bit better, get those averages up, um, get in that four, four and a half yard range, then Phillip Rivers will shred guys up in the middle of the field. Trey Burton's back. I think he's doing a really good job. Um, Jack Doyle, uh, Mo Ali Cox, get him back in the fold. And then obviously receivers, you know, you want to see T.Y. Hilton get get going, but it's not like he's not playing an important role. Um, maybe the production's not there. So I think all that all relates to get the run game going, pass game will get going off of that, and then just keep doing what you're doing on defense. Play better in the in the first half, obviously, but keep doing what you're doing. And, and I think, you know, that's how the Colts can make the playoffs and maybe even make some noise in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and so much what you just said, there's a fine line between it. Like the run game, they haven't been able to really establish it because the opponent got up early. And, you know, yeah. may, maybe stringing together some quality stuff in the first few drives levels that out. And then so there's a certain point where they can't really stick with the run game all that long. Uh, and then as far as T.Y. Hilton goes, I mean, I don't know about you, but I think he's so close to having a year that yeah. no one's really questioning. Like, there, he's had several plays that were called back or uh, there was pass interference against him or yeah. he's just the, the couple drops. Of course, there's just such a fine line between him having a normal T.Y. Hilton year and the one that people are kind of questioning. Yeah. And it, like I've said this every week, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I'm, I'm just waiting for two things. I'm waiting for T.Y. Hilton to have a big game like he like we're used to seeing him have and I'm waiting for Jonathan Taylor to have 150 yard rushing game and and I think we're both we're on the brink of both of those um and yeah to your point you know other than you know the drops early um in that Jaguars game and then the the Vikings game the the touchdown you know if he makes those plays then then no one's talking about him at all the early part of the season and then just about as bad as luck as you can get from an individual standpoint last week just you know the the play that was challenged where I, I thought he dragged his feet. I'm not even trying to be a homer here, but I thought he dragged his feet, but, but it wasn't called the touchdown got called back the diving touchdown he had. 
Um, and, and he had a couple other plays where he broke open, but it was the couple times where Philip rivers was actually pressured on the whole afternoon and, and he checked down. So, um, so yeah, I, he, defenses still account for T.Y. Hilton very, very much. And mm-hmm. that's very evident from week to week. That's why Marcus Johnson gets open the way he does other than just being good. That's why Marcus Johnson has been able to get open so much. That's why Trey Burton um, has been able to get open in the middle of the field so much is because T.Y. Hilton still gets a ton of attention. So he he's still going to get that attention and he's still going to make plays. But like you said, I'm just, I'm just waiting. I know it's, it's going to happen, but I'm just waiting for the day T.Y. Hilton has 150 you know, yards and a couple touchdowns, a couple of big touchdowns, because it, it's going to happen. It's just, it's just the way it's gone. And, and the first six games hasn't been that way, but, but I, I, I'm very confident it's going to happen. Yeah. And you mentioned Trey Burton and Marcus Johnson. They've, they've of course come on of late. It's not been full season thing yet because of injuries and Marcus Johnson sure. wasn't with the team yet. Um, but whether it's a guy that we haven't seen play at all yet, or we just have a tiny sample size who are you most looking forward to seeing in this back portion of the schedule? Yeah, I mean, I, I look at Trey Burton and, well, first off, you know, Mo Ali Cox, I, I want to see him healthy. And it was so exciting to see him involved so heavily when Trey Burton was out, when Jack Doyle was in and out. Um, and, and I'll start with him because, you know, once he's able to get back, he had a knee injury and missed last week's game against the Bengals. But once he's able to get back, you know, and you have those three tight ends. What do you, what do you do? I mean, Trey Burton's fully healthy now. Uh, Jack Doyle's now fully integrated back, you know, after battling his think knee and ankle injuries. So what do you do? How do you defend against that? And I really think Molly Cox can, they can get back to some of that stuff they did with him, just getting him wide open and just letting him run with the ball. And I, I don't know about you. I, I wouldn't want to tackle uh, Molly Cox running <laughs> at me down the field. Um, but, but I will get to Trey Burton because you see the um, the kind of the I guess at the tight end position the the elite route running ability. You saw that last week against the Bengals. Heck, you saw him lined up at the Wildcat, um, and um, so you're seeing kind of his role play out a little bit more. So he's a guy that I think you know missed the first three weeks, had the calf, um, and and of course worked his way back from that. But I think we're just now starting to see what his role can be in this offense. Another guy, of course, is Michael Pittman. We'll see when he can get back. But I think we were just starting to see his role start to grow and grow uh, more, you know, as a third down threat, as a guy Philip Rivers was getting more and more comfortable with. So, um, so those are two guys that, um, you know, Pittman has to get healthy, but, but those are two guys in terms of Burton and Pittman. And then you add Allie Cox to the mix as guys that I'm excited for in their roles and how they can grow here over the next, you know, once the bye week gets over and you, you play these final 10 games. Yeah, they're, I mean, every team has injuries, but I think they're in a really yeah. unique position to where they have so much firepower that they're expecting to get back at some point. I mean, a lot of their injuries, luckily, don't seem to be season-ending. You know, Kamoko Toure might come up at some point. I, I know being on Pup was kind of a, we'll evaluate at six weeks and, and see what he's like. Pittman, right. Paris Campbell at, at some point. Mo, like you said, get, getting a little healthy. They've got so many guys to where th- this team could look really, really different just in a month. Yeah, and it's weird because, you know, this is that 2020 year with the pandemic and all that where you get the the IR rules, which I, I, I can't speak for the league or for the team, but I think these new IR rules should stick. I, I mean, why it. not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, you know, 
it's good for the league. It's good for the players to have your good, your best players, your best teams available. And if, if you only need to sit out three or four weeks and, and you can bring unlimited guys back, why not? I don't, I mean, I don't really understand a competitive disadvantage to that. So maybe that's a rule out of this pandemic year that, that sticks moving forward. But, um, but the Colts have certainly seem to be in position to take advantage of, of those rules with, with guys coming back off IR. We've obviously seen Trey Burton do it. Sheldon Day got his first action last week, had a tackle, and I think he'll definitely be a big part of that, that, um, that depth up front. Um, Kamoko Ture on Pup, we'll see if he can be back for, for the Lions. You know, I don't want to read between the lines, but it might be a close call for Lions, but maybe, maybe he can come back, you know, against, against the Ravens. Um, and then Paris Campbell's the wild card. You know, if, if it's week 15 or 16 or so, whatever it is, can you imagine what a boost that would be to have him come back into your, you know, you, all of a sudden you have your four, three, one slot receiver who is going to already play a huge role for you coming into the season. You get, you get that back in your lineup as you're making a playoff push. I mean, that, that to me um, could be a, a huge wild card. So definitely um, the Colts are well positioned to get some of these guys back to take advantage of these IR rules. And, and I'm interested to see, um, Toure, especially what, what he can do once he is able to be full go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Colts fans, I'm sure you already do, but if you don't already go ahead and follow Andrew on Twitter at a Walker Colts and keep your eyes glued to Colts.com. Cause of course he's got all angles covered. Um, everything you could want to know, you know, I was there for the last couple of years, so I, I know how it's made and Andrew gets everything out there and, uh, yeah, he'll, he'll absolutely keep you informed. And Andrew, thanks so much for uh, coming on, bud. Glad to finally have you. I appreciate it. Keep up the good work, man. Thank you, brother. Thanks so much to Andrew for his time. Guys, I haven't worked side by side with a more prepared, harder working person in the industry than Andrew. And I've been doing this for a little while now and have worked around a lot of great people. If you want your Colts coverage to have a lot of time and effort poured into it, then that's what you'll get from Andrew over at Colts.com. Now that we're easily going to have our longest show to date, that's it for today. Thank you guys so much for being with me as always, even when there's no Colts game to discuss this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's show as it's definitely been my favorite so far. Please remember to subscribe to the show and rate us on iTunes. We can be found on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Luminary, and more. Follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts, and me personally at Jake Arthur NFL on Twitter and Facebook, as well as Jake Arthur underscore on Instagram. You can find my written work with Sports Illustrated at AllColts.com. If you have any questions that you'd like me to answer on the show, please send them to me through email at BelieveInColts at gmail.com, or respond when I send out the call for questions on Twitter. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. If you're also interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. I'll have another show for you guys next week as we prepare for the Detroit Lions. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V 
on YouTube.